Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob, the songs that saved your life. This week, Amber and Get the Fuck Out. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of TBK, the only show on the internet which answers the musical question, what if Rishikesh Herway got his name pulled from the hat at a moth story slam? Let me introduce you to this week's storyteller. My name is Amber Dre. I'm a record collector, and the song that saved my life is Get the Fuck Out by Skid Row. I'm pretty excited to share Amber's story with you this week because it gives me the excuse to tell you the brief story of how this podcast got its name. It's kind of funny because I've been doing this show for over two years and longtime listeners will probably be aware of the show's tagline as a result. That tagline, of course, is the songs that saved your life. You've heard me say it dozens of times, but you may not know where that line comes from. Perhaps naturally, it comes from a lyric. A lyric from a song that is pretty darn special to me. That is perhaps unmistakably The Smiths and a song called Rubber Ring. And one of the things that is special about that song is it's one of the few songs that I can think of that is actually being sung from the perspective of the song itself. The song is actually begging the listener to remember them, to remember the way the music helped them. I think it's a great idea for a title of a podcast, or at least I did when I was launching the show. Unfortunately, someone else had thought the same thing. So there's already a defunct podcast out there called The Songs That Saved Your Life. So I had to go back to the drawing board two years ago, and then I found this. So that's a song called Dance Music by another one of my favorite acts. That's the Mountain Goats, who are based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Dance Music is about another thing that I think is really important for those of us who love music. It's about the curative power of leaning in close to the speaker and turning it all the way up. Luckily for you this week, so is Amber's story. It's about the small teenage rebellion of letting the decibels heal you. Here she is to tell you about it. In the summer of 1991, I lived with my dad and his girlfriend in a rural town in eastern Connecticut. My dad was in a hair metal cover band called Chain Reaction, and they played gigs all over the Eastern Connecticut. He's actually considered the best guitar player in Eastern Connecticut. And he wore spandex pants underneath like ripped jeans and he had big hair and all the guys in the band dressed this way.
Amber and her dad lived with her dad's girlfriend, Missy, and Missy's young daughter. Missy was a prison guard at the local men's prison. And she sort of ran our home a little bit like a prison as well, because I was the person who did all the cleaning in the house. And every Saturday I had to do all the chores and every day I had to do all the dishes and I had to vacuum and sweep and mop and clean the bathrooms and mow the lawn. And she was very strict about everything being done at a specific time and in a specific way. At the time, I actually didn't know where my mother was. My mom and I had been living in Florida right prior to me moving in with my dad. And she got a gig with a band, cover band, in Miami. And so she headed down to Miami to play with this band. And then she just sort of disappeared. (laughs) She did call me and let me know that she had checked into rehab at a certain point and she was supposed to get out of rehab and then we would be together again. But then I didn't hear from her again for three years. So I had no idea where my mother was at this time. She could have been dead for all I knew. So I was stuck in rural eastern Connecticut with my dad and his girlfriend and her daughter, who is five, and uh, sort of an asshole. I know it's not nice to call a five-year-old an asshole, but she was. (laughs) She sort of, you know, controlled the house, and she got the bigger room for some reason. Even though I was 12 and she was five, I got the smaller room. I also had to share my room with my sister when she came on the weekends, so that didn't make any sense, and, you know, I just wasn't happy, let's just say. You know, most teenagers aren't happy at that time, but I think my situation was particularly difficult, but music, you know, it was my escape. Amber threw herself into music at school. She was in chorus and took piano lessons and guitar lessons. She also joined the school rock band. I was also a straight-A student. I focused all of my energy into getting straight A's. I was like, at least if I get straight A's and I do everything I'm supposed to do and I don't get in trouble and I don't get yelled at, at least my life will be a little bit easier to deal with. So I sort of just focused on, on school and music. I had my own boombox set up in my bedroom, and I would spend a lot of time just sort of hiding in there, listening to my music. But every once in a while, when my dad and his girlfriend weren't home, I would use my dad's stereo which was much nicer and which I was not allowed to touch. It sounded great and you could 
turn the music up like to the max volume and the speakers were so much bigger than the boombox that I had in my room and you know I think because it was sort of it was prohibited that it was like this is my rebellion I'm going to play music on my dad's really expensive stereo even though he told me not to the song that I would play every time they left was Get the Fuck Out by Skid Row. I mean, the lyrics are self-explanatory, but I would just pop that in the CD player, turn the volume all the way up, and I would just have like a mosh pit of one in the living room while this song was blasting and this was like my only form of rebellion it was almost like i was just so sick of being the good girl and i wanted to do something wrong and that's the closest i could get to it Amber's gentle solo mosh pit rebellion wasn't the reason she eventually got into trouble. In fact, her relationship with Missy eventually blew up for a reason that wasn't rebellious at all. I would write in my diary all of the things that made me so unhappy and upset with my living situation and being with my dad's girlfriend and her daughter and not knowing where my mom was, and I poured all of my feelings into this journal. One day when I was coming home from school, I saw a lot of clothes, and it looked like garbage all over our yard. And I got off the bus, and I started walking up the driveway toward our house and I realized that some of the clothes were mine and I was like how was it that all of these clothes got out here on the lawn and then I walked inside the house and I saw my dad's girlfriend and she was throwing all of my clothes out and just throwing them onto the lawn in front of the house. I was like, oh my God, what happened? Why is she so mad at me? What did I do this time? You know, I've, I do everything right. I try so hard and somehow I made her mad again. And she, she finally told me what it was that I did. And it turns out that she read my journal and read all the things that I wrote about how unhappy I was there with her. The complaints in Amber's journal weren't about forced labor or asshole five-year-olds. I focused on clothes. Not just any clothes, mind you, but a particular brand of pleated pant that was kind of big in the early 90s. Z Cavarici jeans. That was a particular point of contention between us 
was that she would buy me these cheap jeans from Bradley's, which was like our version of Target back in the day. Like it was like a local regional Target. And that's where I got to buy all my school clothes. Meanwhile, she's buying Z Cavarici. And of course, she's a grown woman. She can buy Z Cavarici. But in my 12-year-old mind, it's not fair that I clean the house. I do the dishes. I do all this stuff around the I, – I, I mow the lawn, but she gets the Z Cavaricis. Of course, when she reads this in my journal, she sees red, and she just goes straight to my closet and my dressers and starts pulling out all the clothes that she bought me and then throwing it onto the lawn. She told my dad what I wrote in my diary, and he asked me why I wrote those things, and I said I didn't mean them. I said I didn't mean what I wrote, and then I apologized, and, you know, our relationship wasn't really ever the same after that, me and me and my dad's girlfriend it was definitely a lot more strained after that, but we we tried to get along for the sake of my dad. Amber and Missy's forced truce was less than perfect. Over the next year or so, things got more and more tense. That said, Amber was still responsible for most of the housework, and that meant that eventually things would get broken. One day, Amber accidentally broke one of Missy's tchotchkes. Things got heated. She always assumed that I did it on purpose. She always assumed that it was because I was just trying to get back at her. And one day she just lost it. It was like one too many tchotchkes got broken. And she just started screaming. And she was like, why do you break all of my shit all the time? And it was pretty scary she grabbed a thermos. It was like a metal thermos that you put soup or coffee in or whatever. And she took that and ran into my room and started smashing the walls of my room. And she actually smashed a big hole in one of the walls of my room. Because she was like, well, if you're going to break my shit all the time, I'm going to break some of your shit. Which didn't really make sense because she didn't really break my shit. She broke the wall of the house, which is her shit. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't think she was thinking clearly at the moment. The thermos incident was the end of Amber's attempts to make peace. Though she had tried to keep things on the level to preserve her dad's relationship with Missy, holes in the bedroom wall were just a step too far. That ended up being pretty much the last straw for my dad. He was like, this is not a good environment for any of us to be in right now. And and he told her to get the fuck out. It was great. I was like, finally, finally, my dad stood up for me. The fact that he did that always meant so much to me. 
after Missy left, the relationship between my dad and I got a lot better. Things got a lot less tense. But I still had that that need to rebel sometimes. And so whenever I felt, you know, I needed to let let something out from inside me and my dad wasn't home, I would play a record on his record player and have a solo dance party. Even though I wasn't allowed to touch his record player, it was still another way for me to have my little piece of rebellion, even when everything was good. Hey, friend, thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a weekly exploration of stories about music and the way music makes us feel. As always, it is produced by Semelvin Audio and it is hosted, mixed, edited, written, and sound designed by me. My name is Kisiri. Many thanks to Amber Dre for her time and talent this week. As always, I'd encourage you to get over to the website. That's www.volumenob.net to look at the show notes for this episode, which include links to Amber's website, where you can see her contributions to other storytelling shows and read a pile of her writing, which is really a valuable way of spending some time. While you're on the Volume Knob website, be sure to sign up for the Volume Knob mailing list so that you can receive our newsletter. Finally, here's Katie with her 30 second review of Get the Fuck Out. It turns out that she has an issue with whoever mixed the recording. So tell me what you think. Okay, so first of all, when the song was like being done, right? What I think happens is that you either choose to make it loud enough that, um, you know, the music's being heard a lot more or that the lyrics are being heard. Except like, I guess not the volume, but like the way that the people were singing it made it sound quieter and then because the music was like pretty loud you couldn't really hear what they were saying except for the get the f out part and so i didn't really enjoy it but you were tapping your toe i don't believe you no it's an okay song i just didn't really enjoy it i'll see you again next week with another story about the songs that saved your life <laughs>